there and welcome to episode 11 of Life from Vader's Castle. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined by my co-host, John. Hi, John. Hello there. How are we doing today? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm just riding the uh, the, the glorious <laughs> nil-nil draw <laughs> from, <laughs> from last night. Wasting my time watching that was. If you need any context, the reason that you're getting this episode of Daylight is because me and John were both watching the Euros last night, Scotland versus England. Um, John, obviously, as you can imagine, is, a, is an England fan. As you might not have imagined, I'm a, I'm a Scotland supporter. My accent does let me down. I am Scottish, so uh, it was. Um, it was a good night to be Scottish. Probably wasn't so much of a good night to be English. <laughs> no. I mean, the, the England fans, they still celebrate as if we just won the Euros in after a nil-nil draw. So otherwise, <laughs> it's probably a good thing we didn't win. Otherwise, Maidstone would have been obliterated off the map if that's with that celebration. So yeah, it was a lot of people that I saw who definitely weren't celebrating that nil-nil draw. I think a lot of people were quite angry about it. Whereas in Scotland, we were like, oh, come on, take him to Wembley, <laughs> nil-nil draw. But yeah, so that's why we're, we're a day late. But we're still still getting the episode out. But we've uh, we've had an exciting episode of Bad Batch again. Show continues to go on strength to strength. Yeah, I mean, I watched mine after you and uh, some other of our friends. Uh, so seeing your messages in the group chat, I've been like, "Oh, it's a good episode." I was like, "Ah, oh, class!" As soon as lunchtime came around, I was straight on the TV to watch it. Great episode, to be fair. Yeah, I so got, got straight up and I was like, oh, what joy have we got today? And then I was very surprised by some of the reveals. Um, and then I rewatched it today as well, just to just to refresh myself and just to enjoy it again, because it was an episode that was worth enjoying. Yeah, it's definitely one that was uh, worth a rewatch. I didn't have a chance today, but don't blame you. So um, obviously... The, the well, firstly, the episode was called Reunion, um, which turned out to be a, a double meaning, really. You know, the, the reunion that we sort of came to expect was uh, between the Batch and Crosshair after quite a few episodes. But really, the reunion was the fans and uh, Cad Bane, everyone's favourite cowboy bounty hunter, making his triumphant return after like must be at least seven years, eight years perhaps, since he's last been on screen. Mm, yeah, probably. I was just trying to think off the top of my head, like what was the last arc? For sure, I, man. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's he was in... I think it was season five of Clone Wars was the last time we saw him. For the, yeah. Was it the box episodes? Or were those box episodes season four? Anyway, it's been a while. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's been a while. And, I mean, he's a, he's a fan favourite um, for a reason. So, yeah, it was very exciting to see him. And I can't wait to see him some more. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be very exciting. I'm hoping they're going down the route of finally telling that sort of unmade uh, Cad Bane, Boba Fett arc that was meant to be in the Clone Wars, but but never got made. Um, mm. Hopefully that's where they're going. With it. Anyway, we'll, we'll start from the beginning of the episodes and we'll, we'll build up to the big Cad Bane reveal. Um, so we, we, we kicked off this episode on Camino, which let's just, let's just get this off the bat straight away. I was just like, oh, finally, <laughs> we're picking back up with this storyline again. Yeah, I mean, it's been like three episodes since we last saw Crosshair. I think four. We haven't seen him. Three weeks. Yeah, four episodes. Yeah, we haven't seen him since we've episode been, uh, three. So yeah, yeah, we've been asking every every week. We've been like, oh, hopefully we see him next week. Oh, hopefully we see him next week, and he's back finally. Yeah, and it was sort of. It was interesting because this episode almost almost played as a like a mid-season finale, I guess. Like, obviously, this isn't we're not going to have a break now. But if we did, sort of as TV's normally scheduled, this would act as a pretty good mid-season finale. So it's like introduce Crosshair at the beginning, the Bad Batch go off and have a bit of growth and development and that sort of thing, and then we bring Crosshair back. I felt like they timed it right, even though they kept us wanting every week. I felt like they didn't long out too much. It's good to have him back and get some of those. Camino answers that we've been after as well about the bounty hunter um, and what's all going on there. So yeah, he's uh, he's back and because of a little tip 
that the uh, the scavengers gave to the Empire about the Bad Batch being on Bracca. He instantly gets his boys together and they uh, they roll through to Bracca to uh, eliminate the Bad Batch, which the Camadons were not happy about. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had that little scene with the the Prime Minister and the um the uh, head of science. Um, I always forget their names. Um, Nala Say and Lama Sue, but I don't know which one. Yeah, yeah. The like as soon as the conversation started, I was like, or I think when um, the Imperial Guard was talking about the Imperial officer was talking about exterminating the Bad Batch, and like they had cut to that single shot of the Prime Minister's head. And he looked rather concerned. I was yeah. like, "Oh, that must mean that they've they've hired the." Uh, I was like, "Then I was like, oh, it's confirmed that they've hired the bounty hunters because they they want to get him get Omega back safe." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that tied up nicely, I think. And I think that obviously um, a little bit later in the episode, but yeah, that that scene with them sort of not only confirmed that yeah it was them who hired Fennec Shands, but then he said bounty hunters plural. And I was like, oh no, they've hired lots of bounty hunters, haven't they? <laughs> and then I was thinking, I was thinking, which one's going to pop up later this season? Is it going to be Bosk? Is it going to be Dengar? Is it going to be Boba? Which one could it possibly be? And we, they didn't keep us waiting that long to uh, figure out what other bounty hunters is on the case. Mm. I mean, I suppose that was that conversation was actually after Crosshair and all that stuff with the Bad Batch. Oh, that. They all just seem to blurge into one. Some of these, what's happening in these episodes? Um, yeah, well, I guess we're sort of, we're, we're even that happened a little bit later. They're still Camino. We're on, we're on what, we're on what happened at Camino. So I guess this is, it's fine. We're not jumping too much. <laughs> but yeah, it's very clear they want to keep Omega particularly alive, which is obviously why they hired Fennec Shand in episode four to grab her. We sort of clocked onto the fact that she wasn't trying to kill Omega, so we had this feeling we were correct. And uh, turns out that they also hired Cad Bane and possibly more. I mean, it's a bounty hunters plural, so it could be more than just Cad Bane and Fennec. So we'll see if that goes anywhere, um, even though they've already got the bounty that they were after. Um, so, yeah, what did you think about all these, uh, the Kaminoans' little machinations here? I mean, I'm the, I just wonder how many um, bounty hunters are going to end up seeing and stuff after this, because... I always feel like the trouble is like when you have like these shows and they come out every week, like every week you're kind of hoping for like a new character or like a, a returning character, I suppose. And then as long as it's got to make sense or like it's got to, you can't just throw them in there. So I'm kind of hoping that there's some more bounty hunters, but I just kind of hoping that it doesn't end up being just like a absolutely like ridiculous amount just for like the sake of it. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking that like, the War of the Bounty Hunters going on in the comics at the moment. It's like Lucasfilm are just loving their bounty hunters right now. We've got them. We've got the bounty hunters popping up in um, obviously the Mandalorian, then Bad Batch, and then obviously we got Book of Boba Fett at the end of the year. It's a good year for bounty hunters. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of hoping that it's like similar to uh, Empire Strikes Back where Vader hires, what was it like? That's probably like six to eight, I think, maybe there. And it's the about six, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think six would be a nice limit. I think any more than that, and you're kind of just being a bit silly with it. Just throwing money away at that point to the bounty hunters. Uh, but yeah, so, yeah, I'm excited. It was, it, was, it was good to see that, obviously, the Kaminoans, we still don't know why they want Omega so desperately and what Omega really is. I guess that's the little dangling thread that we might find out next week now that we know that they're going to have her back in their, in their possession fairly soon. So, um that is definitely the the sort of the lingering thread that's got me the most interested this, this since they sort of introduced it earlier on as Omega, you know, what is the purpose of her clone? What is her clone's enhancements? Why the Kaminoans are so desperate for her? What they're, because I mean, they're definitely not happy with the Empire. So, you know, what is they're secretly up to? What they're planning? It's all got me very hooked. Yeah, I think there was a line from the Prime Minister as well during the same conversation about like their contingencies, which obviously yes. like, yeah. of course 99 were like their contingency plan. It's like contingencies for what? Well, obviously like I'm assuming it's contingencies for like the empire taking over and no longer wanting clones. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is this like a, is it like a contingency where clone force 99 are meant to be like the best products the camera and have available. So like they'll keep their services or is it more like clone force 99 are going to be like used to like 
fight against the empire because they're getting too powerful for the Kaminoans. It's like, yeah, what's happening? Yeah, so, yeah, you pulled that contingency. Yeah, I forgot about that. They specifically used that word, which I think obviously they. I imagine you're right that it's the fact that the the empire are going to be moving away from clones and they need some sort of plan to keep the empire wanting clones because obviously money. Mm. Um, so yeah, whatever this big contingency plan that they've got is, I imagine we're going to find out by the end of the season. I imagine it's sort of the big, the big plot of this season. sort of the overrunning plot is whatever's the Kaminoans are up to. But um, yeah, we definitely got like some, some more juicy bits this episode to uh keep us guessing i think that's one of the main things from like the, the episodes that come out weekly is like you need to have like little threads that we can pull at because i think if you don't have that then there's no reason to like come back every week so yeah they're, they're, they're plotting it up nicely i think it's carried it's not happening too quickly but it's like at a good pace where it's keeping you hooked without um giving away too much yeah, it's interesting because even though a lot of people say that this really does feel like, you know, season eight of the Clone Wars, obviously even more now that we've got Cad Bane, but big Clone Wars character back, but like sort of structurally, like structure-wise, this does feel so much like Rebels in the sense that, you know, every season has sort of like a big overarching plot. The whole show, I mean, the whole of Rebels show had one sort of overarching plot. But then sort of each episode has a sort of little adventure that sort of ties in. You get through a few threads that might lead on lead into the next episode or the sort of conclusion of the season. But it sort of keeps you guessing along the end and then you get your answers and then a new threat comes about. So I feel like the show's sort of taking that that rebel structure. Um and I feel they're doing it really well. I'm really enjoying it. I think the pacing of the show has actually been near to flawless, to be honest. No, yeah, I agree. That's a good point. I suppose the Clone Wars, apart from maybe like season seven, I suppose, like towards the end, it was all like, yeah, you had like two or three, four episodes. And that was it. Like literally, because some of the early seasons weren't even in like order. order. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah. So you could go from like episode like 13 and then that would then directly tie back to like episode two. And it, yeah. So I think this is a much smoother way of doing it and, it and it's definitely a lot more like rebels than it is clone wars and yeah as you said it it's really well paced so that's good and i think i mean we'll, we'll obviously get on to the what's going on with the batch but i think the time that we've spent these last four episodes just really with the bad batch even if it seemed like fairly mundane missions that they were going on the time that we've spent with them i'd argue made the impact of this episode hit so much harder. Like if we had just gone straight from episode three, which I've seen a lot of people saying that we should have just gone straight from episode three and jumped to this episode and skipped all the gap. Um, and if we had made that jump, you know, we wouldn't have, the relationship that the batch have got now, that that sort of family unit togetherness with Omega being taken away at the end would not have hit anywhere near as hard if we hadn't spent the time with Omega, the last four episodes where you haven't seen Crosshair and the Empire and the Kaminoans and that sort of thing. So I do think that they paced it really well for that reason because it paid off really, really well in this episode because we've had that that time. No, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we I think we said this in a previous episode like, about how like uh, you get the emotional endings from like uh, the Rebels seasons or like at the end of Clone Wars only because you have these episodes where... Not much is being done, I suppose, but then, yeah, it's like relationship building. So I think after this episode, it goes to show that they were definitely, in my opinion anyway, they were definitely like worth the time. Yeah. So I agree completely with what you just said. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, we, uh, where were we? We were, we were back on Bracker. All right, this is the, <laughs> this is a moment that I actually, one of my favorite bits of the episode was <laughs> Wrecker teaching Omega how to defuse bombs. <laughs> I thought this was a really funny little bit at the beginning to sort of kick the episode off. Um, after we've got that sort of quite grim open, opening of like, yeah, Crosshead to come and to kill you guys. It's like, oh, hey, here's Wrecker and Omega defusing bombs. <laughs> that was good. I feel like, I feel like I've gotten to the point when I watch things now where I just feel like everything 
is going to end up paying off later. I feel like mm-hmm. her learning to defuse a bomb. Yeah. The right there is going to pay off at some point in the series. Yeah. And it, It'll be episode like 15. She'll, she'll defuse a bomb and then we'll be like, oh, yeah. record talk of that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've definitely noticed myself recently like doing it more and more in like shows where like a character will just do something which just seems like just for like a fun little thing. And I'm like, oh, that's going to have to pay off later. I feel like I'm building myself up to be disappointed in some shows, but I think it's definitely going to pay off at some point in this show. Yeah. But I mean, even if that physical action doesn't pay off, it's, it's this growing, this bond between Omega and Wrecker, which particularly because like last week it was so challenged by Wrecker, like nearly killing her. And mm. obviously we saw in that episode that she forgave him and she still wanted to have the sweeties with him at the end. Um, but then this episode to see that they, they're like, sibling-like relationship hasn't actually been damaged by it and that they're still getting on and like wreckers sort of like pranking her with like you know using a smoke bomb instead of like a real bomb and all that sort of thing like it, it, it sort of re-establishes the characters and like where they're at and i think they've just done such a good job i think of writing the relationship between omega and wrecker um in the first few episodes i was just really impressed with the way that they wrote hunter and omega but these last three or four episodes, I think they've absolutely smashed it out of the park with the relationship between Wrecker and Omega. Um, I think there's so much to like enjoy about their relationship on screen. A lot of comedy comes out of it, a lot of sort of fun and like endearing moments. And I think this was just another one. Like when he was like, when he was like, I got you at the end. <laughs> it's like, do you think I'm crazy? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah yes Rekka we all think you're crazy <laughs> nah yeah it was nice to see that the their bond is I suppose just as strong if not stronger than it was before obviously last uh, the episode a couple yeah last week's episode where obviously he uh, almost killed her and it was a very dark <laughs> and dark and gloomy uh, thing there between the two so I'm glad that their relationship is back to where it is yeah um, and she forgave him I think I think it's good that she was wise enough or like knew enough about the chips and things to forgive him because obviously you have like in Rebels you had uh, you know it took Kane in a while to um yeah, to like Rex and stuff Kane had twenty odd years to yeah so I'm glad that she she's wise enough in her age to know that what the chips do and like to not harbor any hard feelings because I yeah. feel like you still could even if you knew what the chips are doing you know you still could be a bit wary of someone after mm. so I'm glad yeah. she's wise enough to to forgive Wrecker and realise that he's still you know like her brother it's actually a really interesting comparison because obviously we, we saw like Caleb's sort of initial like Order 66 ordeal and you know seeing that and then seeing how long it took him to ever be comfortable standing next to a clone again and then seeing Omega sort of instantly forgiving Wrecker just is like a really sort of unique comparison there and it's sort of an interesting one to draw I think because yeah Kane in it took him a long time I mean even when he met Rex was didn't even have a chip in his head at that point he was still you know super untrusting <laughs> yeah I mean especially because Kanan is like a, a Jedi and I suppose to normal people you might harbour those feelings for like 20 years but you know a Jedi is meant to not feel that sort of way and like not seek or harbor like feelings of uh, revenge or like injustice towards other people. So for for him to hold on to that for that many years probably just shows obviously how scarring it is. And then yeah, for Omega to forgive Wrecker straight away, um, I think just goes to show how strong their bond is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so after that moment. <laughs> The uh, the super serious echo arrives and he's like, right, got to get back to work. And then I think this is a this is a really a cool little echo moment when they were sort of walking across a sort of big open space and he clocked the like the <clears throat> the light glinting off of the, the scrappers sort of binoculars and then they uh, they managed to stun two of them before the third one sort of flew off and a record jumps on after them and they managed to stop the guy flying away, which I thought was a cool little action sequence it's nice to see sort of echo in his in his classic military uh mood as he always seems to be at the moment um so yeah i like that little that little scene 
Yeah, it's cool. Shows that Echo's still still on form. Uh, he, might, he hasn't lost any of his touch that we've seen previously, um, obviously before his supposed death. And then uh, back now. So he's, he's still on form. He's, he clocked the, uh, the scrappers and Mam was still hitting his shots uh, with his one arm. So he's, he's, he's still got skills. Man's still on point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just starting to like, the more sort of time they're given to Echo now, the, the more I'm really just like, because I always liked Echo as a character in the Clone Wars and sort of one of my worries was how he was going to fit in with the Bad Batch when all of them are sort of so unique and like, not just unique, but they're like massive caricatures. Um, mm. and like how Echo would fit within that. But he's sort of, become like the straight man, like even more of the straight man than Hunter. And he's sort of always sort of being very military about everything. Um, and I think that that's actually serving a really good place for him as a character because he, you know, he's not like the Bad Batch. He didn't have all fun and games of just, you know, dominating on missions all the time. He's seen some serious stuff in his sort of time in the 501st. So you could imagine he'd be the one who would take a lot of this much more seriously. Um, and sort of just after this sort of fun action scene when Hunter says that they're going to go and raid the ship for materials that they can sell for money, is Echo immediately, which is just who's saying, you know, should we really be doing this? Why don't we just, like, we're soldiers. We should have gone with Rex. And I thought that was a really good little, like, conflict. It's not a massive conflict, but disagreement, which is starting between, like, Echo and Hunter of, like, what their purpose of clones now actually is and Hunter's sort of just thinking about survival and looking after Omega but Echo really sort of wants to be sort of like following on with Rex continuing the fight he's a soldier as he said sort of multiple times so yeah I think they're they've got some nice little um themes that are developing with uh with Echo at the moment yeah I mean that conversation or just like the that yeah the brief conversation between Hunter and um Echo really Drew me back to um, season seven with Rex and Ahsoka when they had that conversation about like Rex obviously saying, "Oh, you know, they're talking about they've pretty much like ended the war and like how the wars changed their lives." And obviously Rex was saying that the war is the only thing that he's known as like a clone. Like, he does like what, what would he do without the war? What would they do after the war? So I feel like Echo is well, Hunter maybe is figuring out that he can have a life outside of like fighting and stuff maybe with Omega he's starting to realise that I think Echo's still still stuck to the ways of like he needs that routine of being in the military and fighting something and knowing exactly yeah. what your like, end game is Yeah. Well, I feel like Hunter's obviously a bit more switched on and sort of like you know all the batch really because there was an interesting bit well, when we're jumping all over the place but we're talking about the same theme here um, when Omega was chatting to Tech and she was sort of asking like what were the Clone Wars actually like and his his answer was a really funny like line but it was just like the primary mission was to fight multiple battles and she was like no what was it, what was it really like and he just said yeah I just told you and like for Tech he just saw the whole thing as like the mission you know what the way that we know the way that Tech thinks he thinks of everything very sort of you know binary like binary factually straight to the point um not much emotion really in there. And I think it's quite easy for tech to like distance himself from the war now, because he only ever saw the war as like what they had to do at that point in time. It's like a set of instructions. Mm. Whereas I think for echo, like even though they are in the same situation and like the fact that the war is all that they've ever known, <clears throat> I think to echo it is much more so because, you know, he was surrounded by, hundreds if not thousands of clones were exactly the same as him whereas obviously the batch have had very unique experiences they were clone force 99 was used in missions way differently like echo was sort of just on the jet the cruiser with anakin ahsoka the whole five of first going to mission to mission to mission um sometimes sitting on the cruiser for months on end i imagine with nothing going on but constantly being soldiers i think that even though it's there is so, so much similarities. Like I think their their shared experience of the war is clearly so different that it's easier for the the sort of original Bad Batch members to detach, whereas it's much harder for Echo. Um, and I do think that's shining through quite well. And I think the writing 
they're really, really acknowledging that and uh, using it to their advantage, I think. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I was just thinking, I can really just see like Echo like wanting to like join up with like the Empire or something just to get that like routine back and uh, just to be um, part of like, I suppose it's not the Republic, but like it kind of, if he's still fighting side by side with clones, I can see him like maybe at the end of the season, um, like just wanting to join up as like a recruit. Um, if that would be, he yeah. can't find Rex. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be pretty mad if that happened. I feel like he is definitely going in the direction of like this idea of him going to fight with Rex is almost like more appealing to him than staying with the Bad Batch. Um, cause he sort of always has been the outsider anyway. Um, you know, at the end of his arc in the Clone Wars, he chose to be with the Bad Batch because he thought he'd fit in better there. But now we're sort of starting to see this idea that maybe he would be fitting in better with like Rex and I guess the start of the rebellion because it's that sort of war that he's more used to as a soldier. I hope that they like really juggle with that sort of idea in his head, like for the rest of this season. And, you know, maybe that as you'd like said, like maybe that question in his head of would actually suit me better just being in the empire. Cause I'd at least know my place. And, you know, obviously I wouldn't want him to go, but I think it would be nice to see him juggling with that. And maybe he ultimately decides that, you know, the bad batch need him and he needs them sort of thing. But I think it's good to have those sort of constant dilemmas for him as a character. Yeah. I think the only part that will, I think will put him off is just to, the empire's tactics. I think definitely, but I see, like the the pro, like a little pros and cons list, and the pros would definitely be like soldier routine, all this sort of malarkey. <laughs> and then the cons would, cons would just be kill innocent people, <laughs> and that would be yeah. enough to turn him off the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if yeah, I think the pros list would be a lot longer than the cons, but then the cons would just be more significant. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely more significant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's a lot of the stuff that's going on with the clones. But we'll we'll sort of get to the main crux of the episode, which was their the scavenging job of sort of getting the torpedoes and all that stuff in the old Jedi cruiser was interrupted by the Empire arriving, um, crosshair and a large sort of platoon of clones and some of the elite clone troopers all arrive and uh, they start to hunt them down on the ship. Um, what I thought was really interesting is that tech was instantly like oh they won't figure out we're here i'm jamming their signal and then crosshair instantly was like yeah our signal's getting jammed because he he knew that tech would do like when the guy is like as <clears throat> interference or whatever we can't we can't find him anywhere he's like oh yeah we're being jammed that'll be tech that was what we see. <laughs> that'll be tech yeah it seemed like the whole conflict like crosshairs was just like um one step ahead of them the entire time like I suppose because the Bad Batch were introduced as like a, a group that like were outside of the box compared to like the rest of the clones that we've seen. And then all they're like, I suppose, outside the box or like just the way they do things, just Crosshair was just like immediately knew exactly what was happening and cut them off at like every step. Yeah, because I think even beneath all that inhibitor chip, you know, controlling his mind, he still knows the Bad Batch. He still has his memories. He's still remembers all the ways that they'd do a mission, you know, all their plans. I think in this episode, we have another bit when, you know, record was like, I guess, let's, yeah, let's use plan seven. Um, so I think even beneath all of that, uh, Crosshair still remembers all of it. And he still, if he knows that, you know, something tech related is being muddled with, he knows who's behind it. Um, you know, he, <clears throat> and then even with the, when, um, so they sent the message out that like go to the hangar, sort of trick the batch away from the hangar and then Crosshair ambushed them. As you said, he was one step ahead of them the whole time. And I think that's because of how well, obviously he knows them. Um, which I do think is interesting that they're making such a point that Crosshair can still call back on all those memories, even though in his mind, he's still obviously being controlled by the chip. So I think maybe hinting to the fact that Crosshair's not completely gone possibly yeah i mean that's a good point actually i, I agree with that so, i mean yeah exactly he because he put the message out to them to go to the hangar knowing that tech had already hacked their comms so they'd hear it 
and then cut them off to wherever they went, which is what the, the armory deck or the cannons deck or whatever it was called. Um, cut them off there. So yeah, he's definitely not just like, it's not like he's just got the plans or like the memories in his head. Like he, um, what am I trying to say? He's aware of them enough to come up with new solutions to them, I suppose. Uh, so it's not just the fact that he can see, he can see these old plans, but like he's smart enough and aware enough to figure out new solutions based on the information he's been given. Yeah. He's not quite as, uh, I don't think he's quite as gone as, as a previously thought maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that whole, um, artillery room sequence was awesome. Um, like the tension in that, like particularly when he was just like, go straight for the girl, like the fact that, you know, that was pretty twisted out of the whole group. They're just like, yeah, aim for the child. Um, but that whole standoff, obviously, with Hunter sort of, you know, confronting Crosshair after all this time and Omega being like, remember what I said, like, this isn't you and trying to get through to him and obviously not working and <laughs> tech behind the scenes is like, yeah, yeah, just splice into this artillery echo real quick. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool sequence and sort of the action when the <clears throat> when the roof fell down and then obviously he had Wrecker doing his usual, just throwing clones out the window and even Omega got a little moment where she got the bow out and shot a couple clones. Um, I think my favorite takedown of clones in this episode was, um, well, not clones, but like favorite enemy takedown was <laughs> Wrecker lobbing the proton torpedo directly at the flame trooper's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really like that. Just, it's like, he's like direct it. hit. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeats it. So that did crack me up actually. He's very happy with himself. Yeah. I just I love any way that Wrecker finds to um <clears throat> to like defeat enemies, whether it's throwing like one enemy into another or just lobbing <clears throat> lobbing them out of windows or <laughs> throwing torpedoes directly at their faces. It's just he's always got a fun way to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the man's great, so we've got to give him that. Yeah. Um and then obviously they escape that little encounter. It wasn't enough to, to sort of put Crosshair down. He was still about and they uh, they moved into the what, what was the description like the inside the ion engines, which I thought just we're gonna have to take a slight sidetrack here. The cinematography in this episode, the animation, oh my god, it looked incredible! Like that shot where they sort of walked into the big engine room and it was like you saw the whole thing, and they were like just shining the torch. You could even see like the dust in like the torchlight and everything. Like the quality of animation is it's ridiculous. They've just leveled up so much at this point. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I think, yeah, I think Jack mentioned the other week about something with the helmets there when they were putting on the helmets, the animation there. And ever since you said that, like, I just, I think I've definitely found a new appreciation for the um, the animation this show. I hadn't, I hadn't really realised just how good it was until I think he pointed that out, and then ever since then yeah. it's just been like oh, Jesus this is unbelievable I feel like the whole like the whole season so far the animation's been incredible but I just there was something about this ep- like this episode in particular with like the, the cinematography like the, the colours like everything there were some shots of just like Bracca in the distance with like all the sort of crashed Star Destroyers when Omega was looking out the window and it just looks like incredible like mm. genuinely looks better than live action a lot of times um so yeah just if they i mean the more animated star wars they do the better because the the level of you know animation cinematography i mean we'll get into the sound design and the music later but like everything is just so high quality it's ridiculous really yeah i just had to had to mention it because it really blew me away particularly that shot of the torch shining across the thing and i saw the dust particles and i was like goodness me they're really going for it <laughs> no yeah it's, it's so good and the, the like in the couple minutes after that as well when um crosshairs orders the troopers to like turn the engine on trapping the bad batch between like either being vaporized by the engine or snuck by him when um when they turn the engine on it's like oh the colors that came out of the I suppose I don't know, like the Iron yeah, Reactor or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, as again, looked unbelievable. 
Yeah, I loved a little moment just before, like literally just before they got to that bit when um, Omega was asking about like the engine and like Tech was giving her like a really big explanation and then Rekka was just like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and Tech was just like instantly silenced. <laughs> I just thought that bit was so funny. <laughs> I feel like... Yeah, I feel like Rick was sort of the audience in that situation. It was just like anytime uh, Tech just like starts going on about something, you're like, "Come on, come on, Tech, shut up!" Who is this guy? Is he like the guy who writes all the Wikipedia articles? It's like we get it. (laughs) (laughs) I do love Tech. I think he's such a great character, and he he plays such a good. I think he's one of those characters that, like, on his own, I wouldn't really find him that engaging. But within the team that he's in, I think he works perfectly. Yeah, no, he fits in really well within the team. Yeah, uh, I think they all just bounce off each other really well. To be yeah, fair. yeah, um, and then obviously the sort of bigger, big explosion here was the as he said they were stuck between getting sniped or getting vaporized, so they hatched a little plan to blow the engine in half using loads of little explosives, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, mm. And then they're separated as the thing falls apart, Hunter's with Omega and then the rest of the boys are together and Crosshair gets burned quite badly in the face. Uh, which at first I was like, oh, I was like, you've just been burned by a massive thing and you've just got a little bit of red under your eye. That's a, you've gotten away lucky there. But then obviously later on in the episode, we see him with a Vader mask on basically. So clearly he did get <laughs> pretty fried by that, uh, by that engine. Yeah, he. he I, that's what I thought at first. I thought, oh, he's gotten away with that quite lucky. He's like, come across with just like some mild sunburn or something. And then, yeah, later on, he's like got like four casts on. He's got like a, a mask. He's got like wraps on his head. And I was like, Jesus, this man's been sizzled by this engine. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm really interested to see what. Like maybe in that next episode, like he's wearing like some sort of like prototype, maybe like the Death Trooper armors. Yeah, that's exactly what I was what I was thinking. I think that the fact that he had that mask on to me suggested that he's basically going to be like the Death Trooper, Trooper prototype, um, because I think that's that's the whole deal with the Death Troopers is they had sort of a little mask under their helmet as well, and um, I think they were pretty like scarred. Underwards, uh, underneath the helmet as well. I think they were pretty messed up. Um, so yeah, maybe they're connecting that whole thing together to Rogue One, which would be really cool. Um, so yeah, obviously big action set pieces so far. You know, the batch getting chased by the Empire. I thought all of this was awesome. I thought there was some really cool character moments. As I said, really cool sort of animation, cinematography. Um, Omega just like playing the part within the show so well even she getting some moments kick ass but then hunter having to save her all of that really good and I, that was me thinking right that's been a pretty that's been a pretty sick episode and i'm pretty pretty excited by this and then we sort of cut to a load of dead clones outside the marauder outside the babatcher ship as soon as i saw this i was like I was like, oh, here we go. Fennec Shan's back. <laughs> mm. I did not expect this, like... Do, do you know the moment that I actually clocked that it might be Cad Bane? It was like, when Hunter and Omega's, like, head, like, popped up over the little thing and they saw, like, all the dead bodies, like, the music cue there, like, changed instantly to sort of, like, a really sort of, like, Western style. It just had, like, a few sort of, like, chords on it which, like, instantly sort of, like, sounded Western to me. And I think... I didn't like there was there was a bit of me instinctually that was just like, oh, could this be campaign? And then on the rewatch, I was like, okay, I, I now understand why that was my feeling because it was the music in that moment. Um, so yeah, they arrive, all the dead bodies, and then out of the ship comes the man with no name, the cowboy campaign himself. Um, I love the scene so much. I actually thought this scene was chef's kiss. Oh, it was it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching it, they come out of the ship, and obviously, then uh, Cat Bane's obviously like you know hand her over, etc., etc., and the hunter, and then they have like the little like standoff. And I was like, oh, it's just, just so Dave Filoni. Like he loves it, doesn't he? Oh, he loves like, it was Samurai <laughs> and Western films. I was like, this is Dave Filoni. He's sitting at his desk, writing <laughs> off a little standoff, and he's loving it. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
Cad Bane was always meant to be like a, a um, yeah, like a tribute to Clint Eastwood's Man with No Name from like the Spaghetti Westerns, like with, with the hat and you know the whole thing about him was very sort of Clint Eastwood. So the fact that, and this is where I'd, I want to go off on the music because the 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 Kiner Brothers. I think they've they've done the Clone Wars Rebels and this. This is them at the top of their game. Some of the scores that they've done have been ridiculous. Like the Bad Batch theme is great, but like the way that they change it based on like the different things that are going on in the show, like just when they were planting all the explosives, they were playing the Bad Batch theme, but it was slightly higher pace and more intense because obviously, you know, they had a countdown, they had a timer. But this sort of like massive Western Star Wars score that they had for this like Mexican standoff. And as you said, it just had like Dave Filoni all over it. It was just like, right, proper cowboy shoot off with Hunter versus Cad Bane, like down to like the hands, like slowly going down onto the blasters. Like the, even the fact that like the music like escalated, 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 and then it cut out. And then it just had like a shot of Cad Bane's like bright red eyes and Hunter's mask. And then the shot came in. Everything was just like the most perfect, like, tribute to those like classic westerns i just the me oh everything was just so well done i love that bit so much mm, it was so good and i was as they were standing off i was just in my head i was like thinking who's gonna win this because i was like obviously hunter's like the uh protagonist so it's like surely he's got to win but then obviously we just introduced cad bane <laughs> who's like That's a right. legendary character who's like, I'm pretty sure on every arc we've ever seen him pretty much, he's been like, he always wins, obviously, because <laughs> he's still alive. But like, he, he won against like the, the Jedi when he stole from the council. You know, he wins when he, in the arc with Obi-Wan in the box. You know, yeah. the man doesn't lose. I didn't so know. Thinking, Imagine they bring oh. him back after like eight years and then they just kill him instantly. <laughs> the outrage. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he just shot Hunter point blank in the chest. was so yeah. oh, easy. Hunter like, missed. No, no remorse whatsoever. Like, it was just, yeah. Yeah, Hunter missed and ended up shooting off the droid's leg. <laughs> oh, bot. Um, and yeah, and Omega gets taken by Cad Bane. Yeah, that that bit was like really like intense because obviously the whole build up, the shootout, obviously and emotions are running high at that point. And then he just like says, you know, sorry, girl, and then just like stuns Omega. I genuinely thought for a second he had shot her <laughs> until I saw like the blue light, and I was like, okay, she's just been stunned. <laughs> I I actually really thought Hunter was dead as well, like just full on, just dead, like he just killed him. It wasn't yeah, I don't. Yeah, I had a moment when I was like, nah, they, just, they haven't just killed my boy, have they? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, like they've they've actually just killed him. I, was like, I couldn't believe it. And then a few, uh, next scene, a few scenes later or something, it cuts to him being like picked up by the other, um, the other night, or the other clones in 99, and they like carry him to the ship while being shot out by the rest of the clones. Um, turns out he's alive. Don't know how he's managed that because I'm pretty sure he like rolls over on the floor as well, and there's a blaster bolt like in his back as well. Like, I don't know if that was just maybe yeah, I saw well, something funny, but it looked like he just got I think a big hole in him. I think, and they they did it. I mean, this this scene was just like the tribute to the Republic Commando, the the video game. Um, so they were very clever here. They in Republic Commando, when you heal yourself with Bacta there's this noise and it's just like these three notes like boom 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 they use that exact noise as soon as it cut to hunter like hunter looking out of his visor so to me that suggests that he um that they had like injected him with like a bacter or something like that so i think that that's why he wasn't dead because they used that exact noise like the healing noise from republic commando and obviously had the shot like through the visor which is very republic commando um, mm. I thought that shot was awesome. Obviously, like, uh, like Wrecker sort of shouting, where's Omega, where's Omega? And, you know, blasting all the venom in the background. Yeah, I really like that sh- that first-person shot. I thought that was so cool. And actually seeing what a clone sees as well, I thought was awesome. Yeah, I, th- I really like that shot. I think it goes to show, like, that's probably why the clones can hit their targets and the Stormtroopers can't. It's because they've got a little reticle there and they're cheating. Yeah, yeah, uh, they are. They're yeah. che- <laughs> Although... They're cheating. 
he's got like a really like decreased view. Like it really like he can't see up and down very much. It's like it very pushes down his field of view quite a bit. Yeah, but I mean, it just it reminded me of um the scene in Rebels where <laughs> Rex is wearing the stormtrooper helmet. And he's like, I can't see shit out of this or whatever, like rips it off. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, that, the clone, the yeah. Stormtrooper helmet is clearly don't have that little reticle for him then. Yeah, and a very emotional end to the, this episode. Um, yeah, I really next, next week, I, I don't know. I'm assuming next week's going to be a lot of time on Camino. maybe. We're going to figure yeah. out why. Maybe next week we'll figure out why the Kaminoans like, want a mega back desperately. Yeah, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if, they, because I know that they've we know like I know that they've been working on Bad Batch for years. Like this is not something that's just recently come up. This is something they've been working on for years, and Filoni's been working on for years. I wouldn't be surprised if they originally had planned this as like going out on TV, so that this this was going to be the mid season finale, and we were going to wait three months, and then mm. you know, so to me that suggests that like the next episode we're going to like it's going to be like a. Uh, second half of the season premiere again so I feel like it's going to be like a, the next episode is going to be a big episode I think we're going to probably go like straight to, just to me right Tech's a smart guy Tech should probably clock the fact that why would a bounty hunter take a mega alive who would want a mega alive the only people who'd probably want a mega alive would be the Kaminoans Camino is probably our best bet I feel like Tech's a smart enough guy I feel like he'll probably figure that out so i imagine that they might just head straight to camino um and probably have to deal with cad bane um the empire and i think it's just probably i imagine going to be quite an explosive next episode it might not be it might take them a bit of time to gather themselves together but i have a feeling we're not going to hang about i think because i mean the episode ends with him with hunter saying we need to go find her so i feel like they're setting up straight away getting into it yeah I hope so it really annoys me in shows when like I know that we know more as an audience and like the actual characters in the show but it really annoys me when like it takes people ages to figure things out so I, <laughs> I really hope that you just someone probably tech as you said will just be like alright let's just assume the Kaminoans want to let's go to the Camino and yeah hopefully have a nice uh, action heavy episode or something like that to a kickoff for, I suppose, as it would, as you said, probably would have been like the mid-season premiere. Yeah, like the back half of the season. Yeah. 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 Um, I do think what has me particularly intrigued is obviously what's going on with Crosshair. Like we saw him sort of jump up and like immediately sort of say, oh yeah, catch him, catch him, catch him, whatever. So we know that that big hit to the face hasn't, you know, changed his programming or anything. He's still nasty crosshair. Um, but now he's got loads of burns on him. So as he said, is he a proto-death trooper? Um, how long is it going to take the batch to like, you know, bring him back? Is he ever going to get brought back? So there's a lot of stuff going on with crosshair. Still don't really know what's going on with why the Kaminoans are so desperate for Omega. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Are they going to get her back next episode and we're going to find out straight away like what the deal with her is um Cad Bane all the bounty hunters are there going to be more how are they going to play into it I don't I feel like we're definitely going to see a lot more Cad Bane I think like they brought him back and fans have got really excited so I think we're going to see some more um what I would be really interested in is like the unused Clone Wars arc is like Boba gets the dent in his head like you know the dent in Boba's helmet like yeah. Cad Bane is the one who like does that dent in his helmet and then yeah. Boba goes around and kills Cad Bane so that was like the unused arc it's not canon so you know they can adapt it what I what think could be interesting is are we going to see that in like the back half of this season sort of take place over a couple of episodes like will we see young Boba etc or are they going to save that and like Cad Bane's going to survive this series and ultimately survive all the way through to when Book of Boba Fett's taking place and we might see a live action Cad Bane. Who knows? Um, mm. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it. But clearly, big man Filoni's got a plan because he brought him back. Um, I was very, very excited. I, I, I physically fist bumped. And I, I was just like, yes. <laughs> when I saw, <clears throat> when I well, it was, it was when I heard Cad Bane's voice, that very 
sting like distinguishable voice. Mm. I think I think my reaction was just like, oh, something like that. I was sitting in my chair. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Cringy like that. But yeah, I mean, it'd be a shame. I can't imagine they'd, you know, give him to us in like the last minute of this episode and then do nothing with it in the next episode or one after. So I'm assuming there'll be a lot more Cab Bane to come, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, overall thoughts on this episode for me. I loved it. I think it's, I mean, I said this about the last one. I I think it's probably one of the best episodes. If not for me, I think this actually might be my favorite episode now. Um, It's just so much good action. It looked incredible. It sounded incredible. Um, There's some really funny moments, big surprises, some big like plot changing direction moments as well and a big cliffhanger at the end. So 10 out of 10 for me. This is probably my favorite episode of the series so far. Yeah, I completely agree. Actually, turn out an episode like unbelievable. Like, I genuinely could probably just watch that episode over and over again. It was so good, and it set up so many things that have like got me excited. Um, that I just really can't wait for next week's episode. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, so far with the Disney Plus shows, we've had Mandalorian two seasons of it, and now Bad Batch. I mean, they're knocking at like you got to give credit when it's due to Disney, they're knocking it out of the park. I think the Bad Batch has definitely had the, so far the most consistent, consistently good first season of any of the animated shows by a long stretch as well. Um, It's looking incredible. Taking my hat off to Disney, to the mouse. They're doing a good job. I'm, I'm a, I'm really, really liking where they're going with the show so far. And I hope it continues to uh, exceed our expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think after this episode, I really have got no idea, like, just how far it's going to go, like, in quality. Um, I feel like they're going to be introducing things in the next couple of episodes that are just going to, like, blow your mind. Um, but in a way, that's just, like, not for the sake of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, like, yeah. There's always a risk that they're going to, like, try and do too much, but I just feel like they've got it absolutely nailed to the point where, like, it's 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 so good and that what they're introducing is unbelievable, but like just the right amount. So it's, it's, it doesn't cross over that threshold of being like cringy or like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason they're succeeding so well of like, you know, pulling in all these sort of other characters and seeing the world building and all this, the reason that it's paying off is because they've actually just done such a good job of making us love these characters, like the bad batch. I liked them in those first episodes in the close Clone Wars, but I didn't love them. I thought they were cool, but like they've done in eight episodes, they've taken them from characters that I, I kind of cared about to like, I really, really care about like, as you said, like, you know, my breath is taken away when Hunter gets shot there last week when with Omega and Wrecker, like, you know, so many moments now where like, I'm just scared for them because <laughs> they could die literally at any point because we have no idea canon wise what the future of the Bad Batch is. So, you know, good characters and a good plot and you, you know, you get people actually listening. So yeah. In Filoni, we trust as always. In Filoni, we trust. So yeah, that's a, that's a good, a good wrap up to our bad batch section. I mean, we went on for quite a bit there as you, as you know, we thought we would, it's a bit of a bigger episode this week, lots to talk about. So we were just sort of thinking because we've had the return of Cad Bane, and last week we were talking about War of the Bounty Hunters. So as we were saying, it's, it's the year of the Bounty Hunters. <clears throat> so we thought we'd a uh, nice little segment to finish this week off. We do a, another top five because we love our top fives, but this time we're going to have our top five Bounty Hunters. Yeah, it's actually um, quite a fun list to make. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let, let the John Lee go first. Give us, give us your top five. All right. So number one, I'm sure it's no surprise, is uh, the boy Boba Fett. Go to the game. I was expecting that. Greatest ever lived, especially now in the last year that I've actually seen him do some stuff and not just fall in a pit and die. Yeah, Bob has um, had a renaissance, hasn't he? Like this last has, year, yeah. Been like, yeah. He's always been my favorite though. Like ever since, like he's always been my favorite. Like bounty hunting. He's one of my favorite characters, even though it was literally like the most pathetic, like on-screen character. <laughs> like he's always just like he's captured my imagination. So seeing him in this last year. Like you know, Mando in the um, War of the Bounty Hunter series, um, and I'm in 
book of Boba Fett, I'm assuming it's just going to be unreal as well. So, yeah, number one on my list. Uh, number two is the Mandalorian himself, Din Djarin. Uh I suppose now he's not really yeah, a bounty hunter. But that's how he started out, you know. He's got to earn his bread somewhere. Uh, so, yeah, he's number two on my list. Uh, number three is the the man of today's conversation, Cad Bane. Uh, absolute G. I'm sure he's probably on your list as well, to be fair, Dan. <laughs> yeah. uh, number four, I feel like it might be a bit of a rogue one, but you'll see, is uh, Embo. You know, the uh, the old fellow is like shield yeah, hat yeah. thing with he's got a little wolf so I was like I respect that the man's got a pet um, is, plus is, is, is there one point where Embo slides down a hill in his hat am I am yes. I imagining that that definitely does happen doesn't it it does I think it's in the arc <laughs> with Anakin and Padme and like Padme's like ex-boyfriend oh or Clovis yeah, yeah Clovis yeah I think it's in that episode like he's, he slides down the hill on his hat it, it redeems like, oh. it redeems that horrific arc just with him mm. sliding down his, his hat. Yeah. Yeah. That's a G. Uh, and then number five is Bosk, just because oh, he's legendary. I mean, he's been, since he's introduced in uh, Empire Strikes Back, I think he's just one of the most iconic bounty hunters of all time. So, uh, yeah, that is my top five. So it's a strong list. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll read out my list and then we can we can discuss it a little bit. Because I've actually I've got a lot of love for Bosk. He's actually my number one. Um, I just with a caveat, I haven't. I've decided not to count Din Jarin from uh, The Mandalorian purely because, as you rightly pointed out, he sort of starts off a bounty hunter and then within a few episodes, sort of just becomes a daddy instead of a bounty hunter. Um, so even like if if I was counting him, he would be number one for me. Uh, he's one of my favorite Star Wars characters full stop but I decided just for the sake of the list and having a little bit of fun with it I, uh, I'm not including him because he's just too OP when it comes to Batman Hunters um, so yeah my number one is Bosk I think Bosk is so iconic I remember being captivated just by that second that he was on screen in Empire Strikes Back when I saw it as a kid and then when I've had my sort of my <clears throat> sort of the, my love affair of Star Wars has come back in the last couple of years and seeing him in the Clone Wars and him in Battlefield 2, like playing as him in Battlefield 2 and then like finding out so much more about like Trandoshans and like the Trandoshan culture and the, the scorekeeper, this like God that they worship too. And it's like the more kills they get, the better. Everything about him has just got me really like, and him in the comics as well. There's some great comics with Bosk. So um, yeah, Bosk is my boy. I really like Bosk. Number two would be Boba. Boba would not have been my number two a year ago, but after his return in the Mandalorian, like that's sh- you know that's him on the hill, just like beating people up with his stick, and then obviously putting his iconic outfit on again. And then him at the moment in War of the Bounty Hunters, everything about Boba at the moment, he's just you know I always thought he was awesome. He always like caught my attention in the original trilogy, but. I was always just a bit like, he's the one that Han killed whilst blind. <laughs> but now, yeah, he's, he's had his comeback and I can't wait to see more Boba. So yeah, Boba at number two. Number three for me is Cad Bane. For similar reasons, you know, that we'd be talking about all episodes. From that first episode of Clone Wars, I saw Cad Bane. I was like, oh, this is a bit of me. I love Spaghetti Westerns. Good, Bad and the Ugly is one of my favourite films. So seeing a character which so closely mimicked Clint Eastwood's iconic man with no name in Star Wars is just um, you're perfect. And then honestly, after this episode, I've just rated him even higher because that shootout with Hunter, even though Hunter's my boy, like he got played and I've got to respect Cad Bane for that. Um, and then number four and five, I think, you know, you might be surprised with these ones. This is where we get a little bit rogue. So my number four is an IG-11. So IG-11 being the IG droid from Mandalorian, um, not IG-88, the OG one from Empire Strikes Back. Um, the reason I say IG-11 is because I always saw IG-88 and thought that is a weird-looking droid, that is a weird-looking bounty hunter, um, but I'm interested. And then when we finally got IG-11 in the Mandalorian and that like scene in the, the very first episode of the Mandalorian... IG-11 is a 
beast. He's just shooting people, spinning around, killing them all. And then as soon as he thinks he looks like he might get captured, he's like, yep, yeah, I'll blow myself up. I, just, <laughs> I got a lot of respect for IG-11. Like even before he gets turned into the nurse, the nurse droid, it's voiced by Taika Waititi. He's a badass. You would not want to mess with one of those IG droids. They're scary. And uh, my fifth place. This is a rogue one. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be surprised by this. But just recently, with some of the comics, I've just clocked. I really like Zuckus. <laughs> so Zuckus, obviously, he was part of the original lineup in um, Empire Strikes Back. He was the mm. one, sort of, with the weird bug-like face and the long sort of gown. I always saw him again and thought that is a weird-looking dude. I wonder what his story yeah. is. I have a book, which is like a Star Wars version of Where's Wally, and it's called Where's Wookie? Where's the Wookie? And I got it years ago, and I just remember going through it, and like Zuckus was one of the, the characters that he had to find. And I always thought, this guy's so weird. Like, what is his deal? We know nothing about this. Obviously, he got a story in Legends. But recently, he's been in the Bounty Hunters comic quite a bit. He's been involved in War of the Bounty Hunters. His like species have like a really cool thing where they've, kind of got like the gift of foresight and they can sort of predict things that are going to happen, which is quite an OP skill if you're a bounty hunter. Um him and him and Forlom are just quite an iconic duo. Um I've just I've liked him recently. It's a bit of a rogue choice, but I just think the boy Zuckus, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good list to be fair. It's some interesting choices on that. Yeah, I um I, I had a feeling you might uh, pick Embo. Um, but yeah, Embo's a good choice. I really like that character. Really good. Uh, I also was quite a big fan of Aura Singh as well from yeah. um, uh, the the Zabrak um, bounty hunter from the Clone Wars. I thought she was mm. very cool as well. Yeah. yeah. And who was your Who was your last one on your list? Or was Bosk? Wasn't it Bosk? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I think we there was a lot of uh, Bosk, Boba, and Cad Bane. They uh, they seem to get a lot of love. They're they're great bounty hunters. We both had them mm. on our lists. <laughs> yeah, top top bounty hunters. And I think we could probably agree that the more bounty hunters in Star Wars, the better, because I think they're great characters. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm excited to see if we'll get a Star Wars version of Doctor Bounty Hunter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, alas, uh, <laughs> yet to be seen. <laughs> Hopefully one day, like a like a full on sort of like filmed in the same style as well. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Right, so I think we should uh, should wrap it up there. We've had a, a good discussion about the Bad Batch. A little discussion about bounty hunters. I'm sure our discussion of bounty hunters will probably continue week on week as more. War of the Bounty Hunters comics come out and more episodes of Bad Batch, which are probably going to be featuring more Bounty Hunters come out. So uh, if you like Bounty Hunters, you come to the right place. <laughs> when is War of the Bounty Hunters? Is it monthly? Yeah, it's monthly. So it's five yeah. issue. I think it doesn't finish till October. Um, so it's yeah. going to be a whole summer of, of Bounty Hunters. Nice. And uh, the boy Charles Soule like, tweeted out the other day, he was like, I just finished writing issue five of war of the bounty hunters if you thought the final page of issue one was mad wait until you read the final three pages of issue five and i was like ah oh, i'm stressed now already thinking about it <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen but yeah so that's been a that's been episode 11 of uh of live from vader's castle i've had a good time john have you had a good time oh of course as always <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh do all the stuff follow us on instagram right let me get this right we're at life from vader's castle on instagram and at vader's castle pod on twitter so uh, give us a follow follow us on uh on all of the, the podcast pages i keep on forgetting to do this one this is one that you have to do you know follow us on the old spotify the itunes all of that so you don't miss an episode and mm. um, because we are here every week whether we we come a day late and drop it on a sunday instead of a saturday we here. <laughs> We are here. consistent. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's been us. Thank you very much for tuning in this week, and uh, yeah. we'll catch you catch you in next episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.